0: You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church Road and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here is Pastor Bob with this week's sermon. Good morning. This is a great song. Uh, it speaks to kind of where we're at. and um, I wrote this down. It's actually was going to be part of later on but it it seems to fit right here. Um, Calvin Miller said this he said intimacy with Christ comes from entering entering his presence with inner peace rather than bursting into his presence from the hassles of life. Did you catch it? So so the, the deal is that There is a time when we we bust into God's throne room, if you will, and we we feel like everything's swirling around us. What Calvin Miller is saying in this quote is saying, you know, it it would be really good if we would just slow down long enough. I don't know about how your Sunday mornings go. Um, I, I know that when, now that it's just Deb and I at home, it's a little different than when we had kids. Because when we had kids, it was everybody hurry up and get ready so we can get out the door. And a lot of times it was everybody hurry up because dad's leaving and Deb and the kids follow later on. And we'd, we'd have two cars. And then as the kids got older, we had three cars. And then as Becca started to drive, we ended up with four cars at church. And so, so we were just kind of expanding the parking lot. And it was, it was a little bit nuts for a while. But it's that, okay, hurry up and do that and then come into God's presence and, and be kind of quiet. When, we, when we're talking about the, the series we're in with, with Jonah, there is a time that is very noisy. Chapter 1 is a very noisy chapter. Uh, if you remember, Jonah, he wants to run away from God. The idea is that if I can get on a boat... And I can go this direction, which seems to be away from the direction that God wants me to go, that I can get away. I can, I can kind of go on vacation from God. And maybe he won't even know where I go. I won't tell him. I won't put it on Facebook. I won't tweet about it. None of that kind of stuff. And I can get away from God. And you know God doesn't work like that. You know, you could go on vacation. But that doesn't mean that God stays here and doesn't go with you. And so understand that, because a lot of times when I know it's, it's been true, I've watched folks go on vacation, I've watched us go on vacation and get away, and it's like, I could just kind of leave everything behind, including church. But I'm not sure that's what God's called us to do, because you can't run away from God. You can't run away from God with vacation, but you can't run away from God if there are things going on in your life where you say, if I just run away from him, I think he'll ignore that maybe it's sin he'll ignore it if I can get away far enough Jonah was in that spot where he tried to run away from God because God had called him to go to a place he didn't want to go you remember he didn't like the people that God was calling him to talk to he said Jonah I want you to go to Nineveh and and Jonah's like I don't want to go there I'd prefer to go somewhere else if you were, I, I got saved in 1980, and so that takes you back a little ways. I was in my first year of college, and when I got saved, the going thing was: if God called you to be a missionary, you were going to wear a leisure suit. Now some of you are going, I don't even know what a leisure suit is. Just understand, it was it was ugly and flammable. So so you know that was the idea that God was going to call you to some place you didn't want to go if you would surrender to Him. And so Jonah was like, I don't want to put on a leisure suit. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to go to those people because I don't even like them. And then it may have been that Jonah just thought that he was too important to go. Jonah was a prophet. It wasn't that Jonah had no relationship with God at all. Because if Jonah had no relationship, then God would not have stepped in and said, Jonah, I want you to go. Isn't that correct? So Jonah had a relationship with God. He just didn't like what God was calling him and asking him to do. And so he takes off, runs the other way. And then we learned last week that as he's in this boat and they figure out that this could be because of Jonah, because he's running away from the presence of God, they said, who do you represent? And Jonah said, I represent God, you know, the one who made everything, the Lord God. And they were like, well, you could be our problem. And so they try and pacify God and row harder to try and get to shore. And that doesn't work. The storm gets worse. And so they decide that we're going to do the drastic thing. And Jonah says, you need to do the drastic thing. Throw me overboard. And so they throw him overboard. The seas become calm. And, and Jonah, and I don't know exactly the timing of this because I'm just in, in my... Imagination. I'm picturing they throw him overboard, and they're watching him just go. Ah, you know, I can't get out of this. And and this fish comes along and just swallows him. And the guys on the boat are going, "Don't throw me overboard, because that's not where I want to be." And they, they just kind of wave to Jonah. <laughs> He's gone, and that's the end of that guy. But then we then we run across chapter two. And so in chapter 1, what we find is we find this, this degree of running and getting away and trying to avoid what God's calling this guy to do, this prophet of God to do. And at the very end of the chapter, we see this phrase of mercy where it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. And so we get that. And that's kind of how we ended chapter 1, understanding that God offers mercy. He offers mercy that we, and it's grace that we don't deserve. And, And mercy can come in different shapes. And sometimes mercy comes in the shape of that which we don't desire. Humanly speaking, sometimes mercy comes in a shape we don't desire. If you were to ask Jonah, he would not have said, what I'd really like is if you'd throw me overboard and a big fish would come and eat me. That's probably not on the agenda, but that's what happens. And so God offered mercy. And for us to be the church, which is what we're called to do, we've got to be mercy carriers. As God extends his mercy to us, we become those voices that Jonah was being called to. We become that same kind of voice in a a culture that does not know God. We become mercy carriers to those that live in darkness. And when we avoid that, we do the same thing that Jonah does. We say, it's not my responsibility. Then what we're saying is, God, I think I'm just going to run away from what you call me to do. And I tell you, I know it's scary. You think about Jonah's situation. For Jonah to go to a place and go to a people and cry out against their sin when it's evident that they don't like Jonah's people anyways... It's a dangerous place for Jonah to go. And so why wouldn't Jonah back off or say, I don't want to go or I want to avoid this? And I guess he could have stayed right where he was and said the same thing, but he thought he could get away. We can't get away. God's called us. Sometimes it takes a readjusting on our part to be in the place where God wants us to be. In Jonah chapter 2, it becomes much quieter, a lot quieter. I don't know what it's like in the belly of a big fish. Never spent much time there. But I'm guessing that there was a lot of time to think. If you're going to be alive, there's a lot of time to think. And I, you've probably been in that spot where you're someplace and it's really quiet, there's nothing to do except sit there. Just you and God. And you sit there and you go, it's either really good or really bad. You sit there and go, this is great, I get to sit in God's presence and it's quiet, nothing bothers me. But if you're in a position where you're trying to run away from God, then being in a quiet place by yourself, you and God alone, is a very excruciating thing predicament to be in it's tough because God brings to to your face and to your mind and to your heart what needs to be adjusted and what needs to happen and that's where I think we find Jonah I mean there's only there's what 10 verses or nine verses that explain Jonah in the belly of this of this fish and yet he was there three days and three nights you got to know that we don't have all the conversation. But we have enough to to indicate to us what happened in the belly of that fish and how this conversation went between God and Jonah. So would you turn to chapter 2, and we'll just read through this chapter because it's only 10 verses. We'll read through it. And would you stand as we do that? Jonah chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. You remember, he declared who his God was in chapter 1. He, it's prayed to the, God, the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. Thou didst hear my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me or swallowed me, and thy breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward thy holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But thou, does, thou hast brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to Thee into Thy holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to Thee with a the voice of thanksgiving. That which I vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. And then another act of mercy in verse 10 says, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the testimony of Jonah and and this account. And God, I know that this does not encompass the whole conversation. But Father, I pray that as we look at this, you would kind of let us crack open that door and look into the heart of Jonah and the heart of you. That as we do, that we would catch a glimpse of not just mercy, but purpose. And Father, that you would speak to us so that we wouldn't be the same when we leave this place as when we walked in. That as talk with somebody this week about uh, when we read scripture that it's got to apply and so father help us to apply your word to us that we would be your people as you've called us to go and share the gospel and so father help us to do that for your glory we pray in the mighty and strong name of our savior Jesus amen you may be seated What an interesting passage. If you were to, if you were to be on the belly of, in the belly of a fish, is this what you would write? I think it reveals a lot to us. It reveals a lot about who Jonah is and, and his character. It reveals what's going on in his brain and in his heart. And, we, and we've got we've to sit here and go, okay, are we Jonah in this story? How close is that to us? Because if we don't apply something out of this, then it just becomes another story. It becomes one of those stories that we tell. and We say, you know, Jonah was this guy who got swallowed by a whale. We use those terms, and, and, but, but God let him come out. And we can use a sanctified imagination of what he looked like when he came out of the fish. We've got to learn what chapter 2 is about. And so the first thing I want us to catch is, do, when does God hear us? And he's asked that question, when does God hear us? And so we're going to work through three questions this morning, that's the first one. And, and for Jonah the question is, does God even pay attention to me? He, asks, he says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord from, his God from the stomach of the fish, which seems appropriate when we're in a tough time, we pray to God. And he said I call out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me, I cried for help from the depth of Sheol, thou didst hear my voice. And so what we see there is Jonah praying. He says, I'm in distress and I'm praying from this spot. And you got to kind of wonder, does Jonah know that God hears him or is this a hope on his part? Does Jonah even see that getting swallowed by the fish is a is a an act of mercy on God's part or does he see it as something of a punishment does he even think he's going to get out of the fish or is it just going to be I get swallowed by a fish and I'm going to die we kind of see that picture in the next section but in this this point you have to say does God hear him and what is getting in the way of that and we know that he tried to run away from God right And so, for us, when we look at this, we say, Jonah, you sinned. You forsook what God had called you to do. And you started to go in a different direction. And so, for for us, we would say, well, maybe Jonah's prayer is falling on deaf ears. Because we read the rest of Scripture. We read things like Isaiah 49 14, where it says, But Zion said, and this is Israel, in light of their in light of their sin as a nation, he says, but the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. As they have sinned, it's this wrenching of a relationship that has taken place. And so for Jonah, it would be that same kind of thing. It would be this tearing away of a relationship saying, God, do you even hear me? Or have you forsaken me? Have you left me alone? See, sin blocks us from a vibrant relationship with God sin blocks us from a vibrant relationship with God Psalm sixty-six eighteen 18 says if I regard wickedness in my heart the Lord will not hear it's pretty plain so how does Jonah in his sin come before God and says God I know you hear me and then we read this that if I regard sin in my heart that you don't hear how does that work together the the word regard means to cherish, means to hold on to, or gaze at. And so the the idea there is, if it's ongoing, if there is a problem, then God may not listen, or God does not listen. And if we say we don't sin, then we then we understand that we are in the wrong. First John will tell us that. And so. For Jonah, how does God hear? What happened in this this scenario where Jonah can say, I'm crying out to you in my distress, and I know you hear me. How does he know that? Well, We don't have any record of Jonah saying, I've I've just lived in sin. We have this passage where he's run away from God on this particular issue. Sin clouds what we see and how we respond to God. Have you ever put on 3D glasses in a 3D movie or something 3D? You put them on, and you can see pretty clearly. I mean, if you've been to, um, like, a a theme park or something like that, and you put on the 3D glasses, and you're sitting there in a theater, and you look, and and these things are flying at you and, and all this kind of stuff, and if you're at Disney, you get to smell it, too. Some of it's not so great. But you, but you have these things flying at you, and, and everything's cool. But then you take the glasses, you say, I just want to see what this looks like without these. And so you, you kind of pull them off, and you look, and it's, well, it's kind of like this. Um, everything is blurry. I mean, you, you guys, you became like three or four of each of you. The, the um, attendance in here multiplied this morning when I took off my glasses. It was awesome. But that's what happens when you take them off. It, it gets distorted. It gets put out of place. And because of Jonah's sin, his view of God was a little bit distorted. It wasn't quite right. And so Jonah, in this, he's saying, I cried out to you in distress. He answered me, I cried for help. And you heard my voice. Jonah's in that place where he's understanding that he had sinned. And he had walked away from God. It wasn't that his gaze was on sin, but that he had run away from a particular thing and needed to be restored. 1 John 1, 8 through, or First John 1, 8 through 2, 2 says this. It says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, and this is that verse that we say, that we quote all the time. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've seen a whiteboard, it still has stuff on it. You can see what it says, but it's not really there. This is the idea of taking something and cleaning it completely so there's no residue. Cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. So, John is saying, Hey, don't sin, but if you do, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's awesome. Because every one of us within the next 24 hours will probably do something that we could count as sin against God. And it will distort our view of God. It will be like pulling off those glasses and we don't see God as clear as we need to see him. And to put those things on, we have to go to God and say, God, I confess that I've messed up. It's not that I've lost my relationship with you. It's just that sin has gotten in the way of me hearing from you clearly. He says, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins or the satisfaction for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. So what Jesus did on the cross was to take on our sin, all of our sin, to to satisfy that, that requirement of sacrifice. It's why we can read that passage where it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He feels that same distress in being separated from the Father because he represented and was sin, our sin. And so when we say we need a relationship with God and we want to hear from you, God, sin gets in the way. And we've got to know that we can go before God because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And say, God, restore my relationship. Hear me and restore me. We have an immeasurable privilege of access to the throne of grace afforded only through the blood of Christ. It's the only way, it's through the blood of Christ. The second thing is how should we pray? Verse 3 says, For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The current engulfed me, and all the breakers and billows passed over me. I, I can imagine going to the beach. When I, was a, when I was a kid, we'd go to Ocean City, Maryland, and, and my parents would buy these rafts for us. And I know it's boogie boards now, but uh, we didn't have those. We had these inflatable rafts that would lose air about halfway through the week and you'd sit there and blow and blow and blow into it and keep losing air, all that kind of stuff. And we'd get on those and, and if we hit it right, we could cruise just at the top of that wave kind of like a surfer. But if you didn't, if you got a little too far over the wave and didn't hold up the front, you would do this kind of number and go down in. And that's the picture I have of, of this passage where it says, that all the breakers and billows passed over me. And so I said, I've been expelled from thy sight. I've been basically hidden. I remember being under that water going, how am I going to get out of this? As a kid, it was a whole lot bigger than it is now. Now I just get hurt. So I said, I've expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward thy holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death, and the great deep engulfed me, and weeds were wrapped around my head. What an interesting picture. It's that picture of being turned under the sea and then just getting wrapped up in all the stuff on the bottom. And so there's this feeling of distress. Now, when we, when we read this, we go, this is what Jonah felt as he got tossed in. And he gets to spend some time with God in the belly of the fish. So how should we pray if we read this? Because in this, in these verses... What we see is we see we see Jonah's lament. We see that there seems to be no hope in this. Michael Card said this, he said, God uses pain more than anything else to teach us and shape us. He uses pain more than anything else to teach us or shape us. And I think for Jonah, there was there was not just the physical pain of getting tossed in the water and not having any hope, not feeling like you're coming out of this alive. But I think for Jonah, there was a a feeling of separation from God. Where I'm not sure, God, that you're listening or you have have my interest at heart. There may have been some separation there. Psalm 27, 4 and 5 says this. It says, One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. For in the day of trouble... he will will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me and he will lift me up on a rock. And that's the place you want to be. If Jonah could choose one of two places to be in the middle of this getting churned and getting eaten by a fish or getting put on a rock and being dry, he would choose dry. Dry. But God has him in this place of considering what it is to follow him. Lamentations, when Jeremiah shares the affliction of somebody who seems to be forsaken of God, he says this, and I'll I'll skip down to verse 6, "...in dark places he has made me dwell like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out, and he has made my chain heavy." Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone, and he has made my paths crooked. For Jeremiah, he's going, I don't get this. Jonah could be in that same spot. I don't see a way out. Yet later in that same chapter, Jeremiah writes in, in verse 20, he says this, he says, Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving t- kindness in kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So there's this idea of if I'm separated from God, I've got to fix this. The best thing we can do is go to a God that hears, crying out that we need him. That's what we do. We don't walk away from God or go the other direction, but we, in the quiet, get alone with God and say, God, help me to see your perspective. Help me to see your love. Help me to see your loving kindness, your compassions, your faithfulness, and that you are good. So Jonah can lament his position. But he also has to to be desperate enough to want the God that he ran away from. There are times where we are not desperate enough because we've not seen the bottom close enough. Jonah, in this passage, says, I've seen the bottom. I thought I was going to die. And yet, God, I think you're going to restore me. We pray as if all life depends on our relationship with him. It's a dependence thing. And we forsake the God that loves us and calls us and, and wants us to grow in him. Then we've walked away from the best thing ever. The third part of this, third question, is what is accomplished through prayer? What is it that God accomplishes when we go to him? The first thing is is restoration. Let's look at this real quick. Starting, we'll go back to verse six. I descended to the roots of the mountains; the earth with its bars was around me forever. But Thou didst brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and I pray, or I, and my prayer came to Thee into Thy holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness but I will sacrifice to thee with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. We read that and and what I see is that Jonah's going through this this process. The process for, for, for Jonah and for us is this restoration process. The question that comes to mind is, are we totally aligned with where God wants us? Jonah had to ask that. You know, I get tossed into the belly of a fish, and I start asking questions about where my life ought to be and where God wanted me. And if I don't pay attention to the voice of God in, the, in that process, I could go just about anywhere. but Jonah stops long enough to says, "I will go to your holy temple. I'll go back to the place that I know is stable. I'll go back to that confession of the Lord my God. He's the one that controls the seas and all, the, all of creation. I'm going to go back to Him. And so that's what Jonah had to do. This misguided trust was not where Jonah needed to be. He says, those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Now, I'm I'm looking at Jonah, and he's going, okay, if I am one of those sailors on that ship, they're wondering, who do I pray to? Jonah is on there and going, I know who to pray to. I know who I've been running from, and my life needs to be restored. There are a lot of people that trust in things other than God. There are churches that trust in things other than God. I don't want to be a person that trusts something other than God. I don't want to have this said, those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. I don't want to be one of those. I'm hoping that you don't. I don't want this to be a church that does. There are too many churches that have trusted in tradition or in bank accounts or something else that is not of God and have forsaken the calling of God on that church or those people about going out with the gospel. Plenty. And they close their doors every single week because they've decided it's more important for us to be comfortable in our seats than it is to go with the gospel into a risky place even to people I may not like with the gospel. And that's called forsaking what God has called us to do. We can't do that. We can't be a people that puts God on the back burner and everything else on the front burner. For Jonah and for us, we need to be restored in our relationship with God, forsaking those things that we trust apart from God and be realigned to what he wants us to do, realigned to his purposes, The second part of that is to be revitalized. Not just restored, but revitalized. And that's energy. Was it it hard? I mean, Curry mentioned it this morning when he came up here at the very beginning. The choir sang that song, Sanctuary. and, And would you say that you were one of those that was swaying in your seat or swaying in your heart because you're Baptist? Would you be one of those or were you just sitting there going it's a nice song it's, it's okay I mean let, let's face it that was a song where you, you, you move I mean I, I could I could sense it was there were some people in the choir I was kind of watching the choir I just wanted to see if they were going to sway we, we talked about this before and, and I heard there was a vote and I won't go, we won't go into that but, but I, was waiting for, I was waiting for the choir to start going back and forth that's what I was waiting on. It didn't happen. But I think there were some that wanted it to happen. I have a feeling there were some that were going, oh, please, let loose of these chains. Yeah, let, let get this rope off me kind of thing because they just wanted to cut loose. And I'm guessing there were some of us sitting out there that we wanted to do the same thing. We, we may want to get up and sway a little. If we're going to be totally, completely, aligned with God, then we need to be revitalized or energized to do the things that God's called us to do. You know that when Jonah is called to go talk to the people of Nineveh, he can't go in and go, I got a word for you. You know, kind of walking in like a a walking in Eeyore to, to the situation. Nobody's going to listen to him. He's got to go in with some energy. And, and, and if we think that, that it doesn't take energy to proclaim God's word, then we've got another thing coming. It's going to take a, a desire and energy to go and share God's word. Charlie Jones is one of those guys. He has got some energy. Now, yeah, I, I heard, I could read your lips from here, brother. Um, yeah, not as much as you want to have. But, but in here, it's perking, big time. And yet there are some of us that don't have some of the physical challenges, and, and, and we're just kind of there. Yeah, whatever. Energy, energy to share God's word. Say, God, revitalize me, not just restore me to the place where I can come in to your temple and praise you with all that I am, because there is no sin that that is messing up my vision, but revitalize me to the point where I have energy to go share, where it excites me that I get to tell somebody about who Jesus is. Make it exciting for me to follow you with all my heart, whether it's hammering a nail or coming behind somebody to pick up a piece of paper that they've dropped. Whatever it takes to have that, to be adjusted to God's agenda with a sense of energy and power. Because coming out of a fish, after you've spent three days in the belly of the fish, it's not going to be as usual. It cannot be as usual. That's usually the message at children's camp. It's not life as usual. It's the message at student camp, at Crossroads. It's not life as usual. You cannot just exist. You can't come out of that and just exist. And you really don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop because that's not good either. There's gonna be some valleys but you've got to exist on a place where you say sin is not getting in the way and I'm willing to follow God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm not going back to the way it was. We've got to get there. We've got to be there. Because that will be the church, that will be the people of God that makes a difference. we say, God, restore me from the inside, Let's start there. And then God, energize me to go with your word, with a message that means the world to be- people that live in darkness. I wanna be that, that group. I've, I've told you before that I grew up Catholic. And I'll probably go back to it from time to time. Not Catholic, go back to the story. <laughs> As it came out, it just it, 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 it was going, that didn't make sense. So, you know, you just kind of have one of those things. Um, thinking about that, I was thinking about all the challenges that came with when I got saved and, and what that meant when I turned my life over to Christ. I sat in that driveway, made that decision in, in, in Atlanta, and then had to go back home and talk to my mom and the rest of the family and, and all that kind of stuff. Just kind of wrestled with terminology. And one of the terms that got thrown out in in the middle of all that, and it didn't come from my mom, I don't know where it came from or where I heard it, was the term excommunication. So I I looked it up. I just wanted to know, and and it it basically means banishment. And I kind of knew that the excommunication idea in Catholic circles meant that you weren't part of the church. If you weren't part of the church, you weren't part of Christ. If you weren't part of Christ, then you weren't saved or, well, they wouldn't use those terms, but you weren't very secure when it came to the very end and you stood at the pearly gates and all that kind of stuff. You know, you know all, the, all the pictures that we, we make up with that. And so I wrestled with this idea of excommunication or, or a banishment from God's presence forever because I wasn't part of that church anymore. And then realizing when you read God's Word and it says that, that we come by the mercy of God through His grace, that Christ has died for us. And if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, that we'll be saved. And it's not about going to church or a Sunday school class or, or something like that. It's not about the, the weighing the good versus the bad, the pros and the cons if you want to go to a Jimmy Fallon thing. It's not that. It's about where you stand in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And have you turned over your life to him and trusted him with all that you are. And so when I started looking at that going, they could excommunicate me. Would it make a difference? Not really. Could they banish me from the church? If I wanted to go back to a Catholic church today and where a sign that says I'm a Baptist preacher. I I bet you I'd get in the door. They wouldn't kick me out. They would think it, it. I wouldn't be out. I wouldn't be out of this kingdom of God thing. I wouldn't be out of the relationship with God. I wouldn't be out of the family of God. I've been adopted as a son. Accepted into his family, never to be pushed out. So it wasn't excommunication, it was more incorporation. To be incorporated into the purpose of God and the plan of God, to do something. And so, you're sitting here. Have you been incorporated into God's plan? Are you at that place where you say, "Um, I've given my life to Christ or I need to be restored in my life with Christ? Maybe I just need some energy because I'm, I'm secure, but, but I don't have much drive to go share the gospel with anybody. And my, my passion or my love for you guys would be that you kind of walk around with that want to. It's not going to happen 24-7. I know that. But if you go to work tomorrow or, or somewhere else, you go on vacation somewhere, You sit on a beach, you start wondering about the people that are sitting around you, whether they're saved. Or the person you're behind at a drive-thru at a restaurant, are they saved? Those kind of thoughts come to your mind, then, then you start to have a passion and a heart for what God wants. And what I see in this is that Jonah spent three days in the belly of this fish getting his passion back on. Getting that cloak of I am saved back on. Getting that want to. I've heard it, them talk about him getting vomited on the shore and people coming going, he really looks weird. He's proclaiming, God, we must turn. The seashore and Nineveh are a long way away from each other. He had a chance to get cleaned up before he went, just in case you were wondering. God was restoring him not the outside but the inside so that he could be different and make a difference so this morning I want to ask you a couple of things do you feel distant from God is there this separation that you need to deal with and I want to to say it really plainly is the only way you can deal with that distance is to close it and God has not moved You come to God and say, God, in my distress, I called to you. I would love a restored relationship with you. And so if you've already accepted Christ as your Savior, close that distance by coming to him and saying, God, I'm confessing my sin before you. And your word says that you, you are faithful and righteous to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I want restoration. If you're in here and you've not ever started a relationship with Him, excommunication is not your issue, just separation is your issue. If you want to be joined with Christ, it means turning over your life to Him. Understanding that sin will separate you from Him forever apart from the blood of Christ. And so I invite you to come down and say, what do I need to do to be saved? Maybe it's just... Maybe you need to make that decision this morning, that God's convicted you that you don't have a relationship with him. We'd love to share that with you. The third part of this is about getting on God's agenda. Saying, God, I've kind of put everything else in front of you except for what you've called me to do. And I need that fixed in me. I need to be restored and revitalized to the point where I'm not only on your agenda, but I have energy to pursue your agenda. There's a a very practical part of this that we're going to be doing in August. I'll tell you now so so that you can start getting ready for it. Um, We're going to do a thing on Wednesday nights called Be the Church. And the the way it's going to work, and, and it cannot just be the Wednesday night crowd that shows up. There's way more in here on Sunday morning than there is on Wednesday night. So, So what it's going to take is all of us. And what we're going to do is we're going to go out in groups and families. Your biological family or a group of folks that we'll consider as a family for that night for those four Wednesdays in August. And we're going to go out into the community. And we're going to do some things. Things like hand out water at a park. Or go to a gas station and and wash windows of of the cars or maybe pump some gas or bring in grocery carts back into a store. We're going to do those kind of service things on Wednesday night. And it will be just a chance for us to be the church outside the walls of this building on a Wednesday night instead of just huddling. And so for four weeks we're going out. You can be part of it or not part of it. My desire is that you would be part of it. That you would see it's valuable for us as a group to get out into the community and say, we represent Jesus Christ and we'd love to share his word with you. Hopefully it'll open some conversations. Seems like every time we get around some folks and spend any any amount of time, the, the conversation can turn to where do you go to church? We were at Walmart not too long ago lady came out with a buggy and we just got in a conversation where do you go to church? I don't go anywhere, let me invite you that was it was a big thing I don't think it was all that special but I think it was one of those things where the opportunity presented itself and it gave us a chance just to share what it means to not only have a relationship with Christ but what it means to be involved in a church family, especially if you're struggling and so we're going to Be the church on Wednesdays for for those four Wednesdays in August and just see what happens. It's an experiment in going out into the community with the Word of God. So, this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want to ask you and invite you to come to the front of the church. We're not going to call you out. We're not even going to call you by name or ask you to talk. We would just like to have an opportunity to share Christ with you. So I want to ask you to come to the front of the church and say, I need to be saved. So that's the first part of it. If you're already in here and you have a relationship with Christ, but sin has kind of, has kind of removed those spiritual glasses so that the things around you are a little bit distorted, sin has gotten in the way, you may want to come and just pray at this altar and say, God, would you help clear up my vision?" Would you restore me? I'm coming to you confessing. And I'll tell you, nobody in here will be kind of weirded out if you come and pray. They will be glad because they recognize that maybe there's something going on in your life that nobody knows about, but you just need to come and get it cleared up with God. So that's the second part of it. If you're already saved and and need to clear up some things, you're invited to come to this altar. The other thing, the third part of this is you may be in here and say, I just need to be energized to do what God's called me to do. I want to invite you to come and pray as well. Because God needs a church. It's not that he needs it, but he wants it. It's God's passion that his church be the church on Monday, not just Sunday. We have that opportunity. So let's pray. And as God leads you, you be obedient to him. Father, thank you for this time and this place this morning. And Father, if there's somebody that needs to turn over their life to you, I pray that you would give them the courage as you've given them the conviction to say yes, Lord. And Father, for others that need to be restored in their relationship, Father, I pray that you would draw them to that point of just laying it out cleansed and then some of us in here we have that relationship but we've just kind of pushed you back a little and not really been engaged or energized by doing what you've asked us to do And we need, we need some energy and so Father I pray that those that need to do that would respond accordingly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony of Jonah that spent those three days and three nights talking with you and getting some stuff squared away before he ever got put back on that shore. And so, Father, I pray that as you've let Jonah out of that spot, that you would get us to the place where you're ready to put us on the shore to do what you've called us to do. And God, we thank you for who you are. For listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, then please share it with others and check out our ministries at ebcconnect.org.